Hey everybody, this is Rich from the Metal Cell Podcast. It is my honour to welcome back Pete Clark, singer of Stranglewire and owner of Grind Scene Records. How are you, man? Not so bad, Richie, what about yourself? I'm delighted to have you on, man. Uh, great seeing you, you look well. Yes, likewise. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's been a while, man. It's probably been two years since the last time I was chatting to you in Belfast. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that today, actually, because um, I couldn't put a date to it the past <laughs> two years is kind of a wee bit of a blur, if you know what I mean. So we had a mix up as well. You were at one Hilton, and I was at the other Hilton. Yeah, well, I think I decided to go to a different hotel. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I've been up there since, man, as you've probably seen. Um, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, myself and Evan were up there with a fucking great weekend of it. So we had, mm-hmm. and um, I'm going back up then with Evan's band. They're playing in November with Survivalist and one other band. All right, so is that the worn out gig? Yeah. There's another gig on the same night with Elder Druid. And Crypt of the Riff or something like that, is it? Yeah, it's clashing. Can you believe that? It's always going to happen with everything, you know, turning back on again to some degree, you know. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Um, Everybody's scrambling for gigs down here, as you can imagine. Um, What's the story with G? He fully open now. Um, I don't know. I think it's the 31st of October uh, is whenever there's... There's gigs happening and stuff at the minute, yeah. but to my knowledge, they're seated yeah. um, and all that stuff. Um, I think the 31st of October onwards, that's where a gig can look like a gig. Very frustrating. I don't doubt, especially whenever it's a case of one minute, you think that everything's on the road to recovery and then all of a sudden there's governments doing U-turns and everything. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. and it just means you can't plan anything. You know, I, I do really feel for you, the bands are, are in a shit position anyway, but I really feel for the likes of the bands and the promoters and things when this is actually their livelihood where it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a massive inconvenience and it's really fucking annoying for people in my own position because we like playing and we like attending gigs and things like that. Yeah. But thankfully we don't rely on it to pay the bills. Oh yeah, that should look, you know, that's a different uh, league altogether. And, <laughs> and apparently they're all suffering as well, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when is the next American band going to hit even Europe? Uh, so that's a, uh, of a balls but yeah, well, luckily yeah. enough luckily enough you got to play Bloodstock yes absolutely that was uh, yeah we were thrilled about that it was nice to have um, and I'm sure anyone who was there will tell you the same that that sense of normalcy you know live music and things like that um, people walking about what was the build up for you like uh, before it Pete uh, just throw your mind back to that so how did you get did you know the whole time you were playing there because I can't remember um, we we I'm trying to think now. I um, I think I saw a post online. It might have been from Simon Hall requesting, you know, that people would email him, kind of thing, you know. So yep. I just sent in our EPK with the details of the band on it, and obviously said that surprise, surprise, we'd love to play Bloodstock. You know, <laughs> um, it was a total bucket list thing for us. So we just thought, well, it's worth a punt, you know. Yep. And then a few weeks, months later, and all, she sure went, um, got a reply saying. Yeah, we can offer you this day in this stage. It's just like right, brilliant. Um, you know. So at that stage, you all were separated, and we we're going by COVID restrictions. So you probably couldn't rehearse much, could you? Yeah, I think we we squeezed in whenever we were allowed. Any time that we were, you know, allowed to practice, yeah. we jumped on it, kind of thing. You know, um, are all of you around the same area? Was it difficult for um, certain members? No, it's, it's handy enough. We're all pretty much, well, we're not, we're, we're Belfast-based, but we're all from 
and around it kind of thing, you know, so it's not a massive hassle. You know, so we did get a few rehearsals in, um, but again, the, the rest of the guys, especially the rest of the guys, they practice in the house and stuff. You know, they all sit with metronomes and electric and of everything. Course, yeah. Practice the set religiously. So even despite whenever we hadn't practiced in months because of lockdowns and things like that, when we did go back, you know, I can't talk, I can't speak for you, but they, they were really tight. <laughs> you know, so thankfully they know what they're doing. And how did you decide the set list then, Pete? Was it an easy enough one? Because I know um, you did sprinkle a few new songs in there. Yeah, uh, I took a night off practice and came back down. It was written on the whiteboard in the practice room. It was like, what do you think of that? It was just like, yeah, well, it was nice that the, to start bringing in um, some of the new material that we haven't, that we haven't played live at all, you know, yeah. um, just to kind of start introducing that into the set. So it was, I think it was just kind of... Um, was it the faster material? I think it was just some of the songs that we're just dying to play and we're dying to let people hear. So we just yeah. thought a better opportunity to do so than Bloodstock, you know. For yourself as a vocalist, even during the rehearsals, were you kind of struggling for a while just to get your mojo back? Um, there was definitely a wee bit of... Uh, it would take me a, a week or two to get my... <laughs> my voice back a bit if yeah. you know what I mean you know yeah. the first week after not and that was a wee bit of a concern for me you know of I think the last gig we did prior to that was like in Kutztown or something like in February 2019 or something Jesus like that Jesus Christ but even despite we'd been practicing on off when we could there was definitely part of me getting a bit concerned about the the physical aspect of going yeah. I haven't run about a stage <laughs> and sang in ages you know um, that was a bit of a concern so you, you drive over and um, did you drive over on the day or the night before probably, yeah? We went over because we were playing the Sunday if memory serves me correctly so we drove over on the we got the overnight boat on the Friday evening so we arrived in England on the Saturday morning and then I think we were in Bloodstock for Saturday afternoon. Right, and then you were playing Sunday then? Yeah, so that gave us a wee bit of time to uh, find our feet, work out where to drop merch and things like that and where interviews and things were happening and Obviously catch a few bands as well, you know. What about the actual build-up when he went on stage? What were the nerves like? Aye, <laughs> that was the first time, I think, in a long time where um, I, was, I was actually nervous. Now, the other thing was because Bloodstock, certainly from um, the stage room, was so unbelievably well run. You know, it was a really tight ship, so there's no guesswork, there's no anxiety of what you were doing. You know, it's just arrive here, put your gear here, this will happen, this will happen, you stay there until you're called kind of thing. So that was really good. But I think we did be out the back maybe for sake of argument an hour and a half before we were going on stage. So spending an hour and a half at the side of the stage, seeing bands performance, seeing the numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was your first gig in over a year and a half for me personally was a wee bit. What about, what about the lads, Daph, John and Ross, any signs? Um, Who's the horse out of them? Half of them don't show emotion anyway, so I think, I think everybody <laughs> was, was a wee bit nervous, you know. Um, but to be fair, I think uh, the rest of the guys were, were very focused on what they were doing. They they spent a lot of time warming up and stuff before they go on stage. So uh, they they certainly looked like they were in the zone as I probably was going, oh fuck me, you know. So, uh, uh, but then you 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 hit the stage, then man, you had a great crowd there. Yeah, we were really happy with the crowd, you know. Um, and yeah, as soon as we got started, it was like, ah, oh, there it is. You know, so yeah. everything fell back in place again, you know. Um, and again, that was in 
probably do with a lot of the fact that you know that we, we have been well rehearsed uh, we have been well rehearsed for the gig Woodstock made things very um, very very easy for us it was really well organised in that respect um, the crowd was really supportive people had come to see us you know yeah. so um, yeah it, it made the whole thing very easy actually. and of course as frontman there's extra pressure on you as well like was it uh, tempting to Talk to the crowd a fair bit, or um, it was a wee bit of both. Definitely thought about it more because it was probably the biggest crowd we've played in front of bar, maybe Las Vegas Death Fest, you know. Wow. So um, definitely, I'm always conscious of that anyway, mm-hmm. you know. But the other thing, especially, was the fact with with timings and things like that. The last thing we wanted to do was accidentally overplay by a few minutes because of me talking shit between songs. You yeah, know, there's that. To, yeah, of course, there's that consideration. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and we're not exactly the kind of band that I suppose. We'll sit and have like loads of banter in between songs anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it was just probably you introducing maybe one or two new songs as well, yeah. So the crowd yeah. knew. Just that, and then obviously thanking people for for coming to see us and thanking the organizers, organizers, and things like that. And um, did it go but, like a blur for you? Yeah, it did. It did come in really, really quickly. You know, yeah. it's one of those things. It's a great mindful experience at the time. We enjoy every minute of it. And then you come off stage and it's like, where did that go? You know, yeah. yeah, and how long did the afterglow last? I think it's still going on. <laughs> to be yeah, honest with that's me. a class. Well, you know yourself because <clears throat> there's such a um, community around Bloodstock that mm. online, you know, people talk about it all year. Um, yeah. I'm in one or two groups about the festival and things, and it's now got to the point where it's an all year round thing almost. You know, as soon as one finishes, it's the run up to the next, and then metal yeah. the masses and things. So every time you see something like that, it is kind of like, yeah, class, we, we, we played that. You know, I say that was, it was a bucket list thing for us, yeah. so it's yeah. great to have us, you know. Jesus, man. Uh, like, you know, there was a lot of bands um, over there from Ireland, of course, your brother's band as well, The Crawling, you missed mm-hmm. them, um, but they had the, like, a Pyro mm-hmm. show. Oh, they uh, spectacular from the photos and video clips I saw, you know, it was like, yeah. Yeah, did you check out any of them? Did you say you went to Baylor maybe? Repping Baylor there. So, um, I planned to see <clears throat> one, at least one or two others, and then it was Words that Burn, Grey Stag. Words, Words that Burn, so Grey Stag. Um, they were excellent, and I planned to see Words that Burn, and then ended up, I think, with interviews and things that kind of got um, sorted out uh, on the day. So time kind of disappeared. I was kind of panicking about making sure I was in the right place half the time, you know. So kind of forgot to have, you know, have fun and enjoy myself on occasions. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, there's that as well. I mean, you did around three or four interviews on the day. That must have been new for you as well. Yeah, um, no, it, it was, it was, especially because the whole thing was so very professional and uh, Orin from Overdrive was a massive help with that as well, you know, so um, cool. no, it was cool. It was, you could get used to it, like, you know, then you arrive home and it's like, ah, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the whole thing was filmed. I think uh, Bloodstock gave you the option on every band to get the film. Yeah, um, yeah, they video everything, and then you request the recording. If memory serves me correctly, are you going to do go down that route? Yeah, we did. We did sign all the stuff. Um, I just need to work out what the next step because I'm not actually hundred percent sure what mm. what happens. Yeah, it'd be great to have, man. What a what a momentum! Yeah. Looking to next year, plans maybe to for you to get over to America. That's the plan. Um, we're kind fair of fair, Foxy. Fair play, man. That's great to hear. Yeah, it's um, it's fun. So we're we're looking at that at the moment, kind of thing. Where there's there's a loose plan in place, 
Okay. First half of next year. Um, but again, it's it's tricky enough to sort that stuff out anyway. No one ever with no idea what's happening with mm. me. Uh, I know you did the Las Vegas Dead Fest. Did you maintain contacts with a lot of people over there to make it easy for you to get over again? Um, we have done and we still chat online with a number of the ones that we um, hung out with over there and they were very, very helpful to us. <clears throat> okay. The build offering and things like that and the group of guys from Texas. Um, I suppose with the amount of logistics involved, we'll always use the person who um, helped book us the last time, you know, the um, dead haggis for the... the to make it easier because trying to do that kind of thing for the DIY, it's not something yeah. I yeah. would go with. There's, there's too much in it. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. And um, you gave me a track um, off the new album and I had to listen to it, man. And it is just jaw dropping. Uh, it's called Heavily Medicated. I think, would that be the track opener of the new album? Yep, that's the plan. Yeah, that's okay. going to be the single. What a song. Um, I'm sorry, everybody, can't play it, but uh, you do get the benefits of it uh, doing these podcasts where I got to listen to it. And um, it is absolutely brutal. And uh, it's a real great progression of the band. So, I mean, you've lost none of the nastiness and it's as heavy and fucking fast as fuck, man. Great. Thanks very much. That's kind of the plan. So, yeah, yeah, so talk talk us through the album, the new album. You recorded it in July last year, was it? Yes, we got a window in between lockdown number 34 or something like that. Um, and yeah, we literally got out, I think, for about two weeks to record over in full studios in Wales with Chris Feeling. Yeah, of yeah. Conan, for those that don't know. Yeah, so we spent, I think, nine, eight, seven... <laughs> Seven or eight days out there. I'm going to say eight days. I think yeah. nine. So we spent nine days out there um, recording with him. Yeah, of course. We, we just got it done before returning home. And then I think we had to put everything on hold again. You know, Yeah, because so, Chris worked with you on Dark Triad. So it was an all-brainer, yeah, really. He did the, the single Narcissism, the seven inch, the Dark Triad, um, and now the album. You know, I, I don't think we'd really work with anyone else, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, he, he has. What was it like for him to meet you again? Uh, oh, I'm sure he was thrilled. <laughs> uh, ho- hopefully, he was. Uh, oh, no, Chris. Chris is a really, um, really good guy and, and very accommodating, and he's he's worked with us so many times now that he knows our personalities and things like that, you know. So, and we just have to play it and let him do the rest. We barely if even don't even let him really tell him what we want things to sound like. It's just like. This is what we're doing. I was just like, yeah, and he does it's a great thing. picture of Chris looking at Daft playing the bass, and I'm just going, Jesus Christ! Imagine playing bass in front of Chris, like I'm going, oh fucking hell, pressure. It's funny. I mean, he he's really, really thorough. And certainly, with the first time we went over, it was a bit of a shock. But whenever, um, especially whenever, um, the guitar and bass and things were being done, where he was maybe a foot from them, looking at every single note, and he was catching things that were going past us. Yeah, you know, so he's really, really thorough. But obviously, that's. That's also what you're paying for as well. You know, when you mm. need that, if you do want something to resemble a remotely, well, a, a high-end professional product, I suppose, you know. Yeah. And yeah. has been invaluable over the years during the recording process. You know? Oh, I mean, Jesus Christ. It's just the sound that, that ye have, and he captured it so well, man. It's just brilliant. As you said, that's what you pay for. Like. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, well well worth the money. So it's just a bit irritated now. After we got it done, it's just like, right, let's get this out. And yeah. I know there's a number of bands um, 
release things and stuff like that without being able to do tour support with everything that's going on. But it's it's not something we. Nah, um, unfortunately, unless they're really, really good, uh, the it just kind of drops into a void. Other bands are just mm-hmm. dropping singles every two to three weeks. So there's that as well. Um, mm-hmm. You have to kind of respect what bands are doing that way as well. Yeah. I mean, they have the videos to back it up as well. So there's, you know, both for and against, but I can understand why you'd like to tour that and release it um, with a tour coming through. So oh, that's the plan anyway. <laughs> So how many songs did you get down, Pete? Uh, there's going to be eight tracks. Eight mm. tracks. Now, was there um, orphans out of those eight? There was, was, there, was there some orphans left behind? Um, well, kind of, let us think. On the run-up to it, I think we ended up, probably even just um, a couple of months before we get ready to record, we kicked one track off because we wrote another one, which turned out is was supposed to be a short track just to go in and... Um, demo to see what kind of sound we were after you know and then by the time we finished with it it turned out to be a wee bit of a monster and it was like right so then we we kicked one of the tracks off could even tell you which one it was now okay um and that was probably literally during the just before probably about a couple of weeks before we went into pre-production which was uh, andy from the crawling helped us out with that thankfully you know yeah maybe from a vocalist point of view uh is there any particular tracks there that were probably the hardest for you to put down um <clears throat> I think. Don't know. Now, there, there's definitely one or two. Um, let me think. Probably Learned Wretchedness, uh, which is a song we've, we've played live. Um, I kind of rejigged the vocals a wee bit in the head and demoed them and stuff. And then all of a sudden, when you're recording it, you go, that's really quick. You know? <laughs> um, and I think I did the same thing in Heavily Medicated on the Human Tensile Experiment and uh, the, the title track of the album. So there was definitely four where I kind of thought, huh, maybe we should have thought this through a bit more, you know, and then by the time we finished it, five was recorded, it was like, right, that sounds great. Now I have to, mm. have to really go back and work on the technique a wee bit yeah. just to make sure I can do this live. Yeah, of course, yeah, because yeah. that's, that's why I asked you, man. I mean, it's easy enough for guitarists and bassists and drummer, but like as a vocalist, um, if you commit to something, and it goes down. <laughs> you have to yeah. produce it exactly. And there's things with the with the likes of the vocals. I say um, one of the things I lo- enjoy working with Chris is his input actually into the vocal side of things. You know, that's uh, interesting. So, yeah. Oh, it, it, the album without his input in terms of vocals would have been very very different. Wow. You know? So he kind of had me doing stuff that people will probably not even notice it, but things are a wee bit higher without even being screams so or without actually being guttural to kind of give some kind of um, colour to the, the vocals kind of thing. And as we're doing the studio, it was just like, right. So I kind of went, had to go back to the practice hall and go, okay, so there's something else. And I actually have to practice because this was just done in the studio. Man, that's cool to hear though as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of learning in it, you know, uh, which was good because it's it's nice that it, there's always part of me was afraid of coming out with something that sounded identical to the Dark Triad, not just um, production, but also, I mean, of, of overall sound, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was really pleased with the end product where it was just like, that, that is very different. Well, not very different, but it is, <laughs> you know? Is there a team running through it or are they all different tracks stand out on, on their own? With In terms of the lyrics? Lyrics, lyrics yeah. Um, well, the underlying concept, I suppose, probably like every metal album, to be fair, um, is human suffering, but also emphasis on human resilience and coping. There is wow. a, positive, okay, cool. a positive message in there somewhere. <laughs> Pretty difficult for the majority of people to find, but it, but it is in there, you know. Um, 
yeah, so that, that that's the main thing to it, you know. It's just about that, yeah, suffering and resilience and having to survive, you know. Yeah, and does the album artwork reflect that, or is the Absolutely. artwork completely? Yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, we got a um, guy, I can't actually remember um, his name. We got a, I think it was a, a Russian artist to do some pieces for us. And um, we saw stuff online in the band. We were all kind of like, yeah, that, that's great. Let's see what he can do. And he did us a really good deal on the um, the drawings and things. And he sent it back and they were brilliant. They, they did capture the, the essence of the album really well. And we sent it to our friend, uh, Tom Bradfield, who runs Grind Ethic Records and is in Twitch of the Death Nerve and stuff. And he's our go-to guy for graphic design. He's phenomenal. So I sent him this stuff and he's pieced it together and uh, looks pretty bleak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. There's a lot of bands actually going on to pin interest, looking at artists and getting their stuff through that as well. It's, I think it's fascinating that bands can go down that route and get original pieces of art and buy them for a really cheap Mm-hmm. What would you think of that? Well, I mean, that's how, um, realistically, that's how we find the person that we used. I just troll Facebook for probably months, and every time I find an artist, I would go on and get a couple of his, um What was the search you were putting in? <laughs> Death metal artwork. <laughs> <laughs> over and over again, night after night, Death metal artwork, seeing him, and flick through them, and then I worked out that when you click onto a page, and then after it's got suggestions, I love oh, yes, yes, yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, so I just kind of went through as many as I could, and then there's 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 some brilliant artists out there, they must be said. And anytime I find one whose stuff I like, I would send it to the band and go, look, what about this guy? And then they'd say no. And then I would be back onto the search again, you yeah. know, after probably, um, probably spend about a good two months just looking for people, and then would eventually find this, this guy. And I was like, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, cool, man. You know, since I can't play heavily medicated, I'm going to play one of my favourite tracks off The Dark Tread, and this is the games they play.
man, that's so fucking good. <laughs> um, there's going to be a lot of releases coming through. I mean, Zealot Cult up there went in the bag as well. Uh, do you be kind of keeping an eye on any of uh, the local acts? Uh, I, I feel a wee bit out of touch at the moment because with a lot of bands having not much to yeah kind of thing you know um always look forward to the likes of the the crawling stuff yeah. you know so obviously yeah where uh, where they go with the next one did you manage um, to get to listen to acid age or any of those new lads coming through i, I listened to some of the acid age album yeah, yeah you know uh yeah there's only a lot going on in it, like yeah you know um i wouldn't be a massive thrash fan to be honest with you mm. you know mm. But oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, always yeah. um, good to see bands genuinely, you know, pushing boundaries and trying something new, you know, which they quite clearly are. So, yeah. yeah. And Rock Duration finished up as well, man. Yes, I saw that um, a few months ago. Yeah, that was a pity. They were, they're, they're a great band, like, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably, it's not surprising that there will be a few bands that actually won't come back after this fucking COVID, you know. I imagine so, because if memory serves me correctly, even in the middle of it, and probably not that far into it, um, there were some big bands have fallen by the wayside, you know. Um, it can be a hard enough thing to stick to whenever there are the um, mm. payoffs through gigging or doing releases or whatever, let alone trying to stay enthusiastic whenever there's nothing going on, you know. Yeah. What are you listening to at the moment? Are you like me? You're sticking kind of to old school or... I, I'm one of these people that tends to find one or two bands or albums and absolutely murders them for months, you know. Um, at the minute, what is it? Um, I've still been killing the last three, four decapitation albums, to be honest with you. Wow, okay, uh, cool. Then I discovered on the on iTunes where you get that your station thing, which just obviously... Yeah reads your mind and plays all your favourite tracks, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, did you which, get the chance to listen to the Carcass album? I did. I gave it a go. Um, yeah, it, it, it sounded really good. Um, it just takes an awful lot now for me to go to not just put on something like Heartwork instead. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know? Um, mm. There's a band I've listened to actually from, I think they're from Australia, Skinned, S-K-Y-N-D. No, I haven't uh, heard of them, no. They're... They're not metal. They're, I'll just say, they're alternative kind of thing. Mm. Um, but my God, is that is some of the darkest music I've heard in their videos are fucking insane. Wow, cool. Definitely worth checking out. Skin, to must check that out. I'm glad you brought up videos, man. Is there any songs off the new album that just kind of screamed single straight away that you have to do um, a video for? <laughs> Probably heavily medicated. Um, again, what we do with the likes of videos, terms of ideas and things like that will always come down to budget. Of course, you know? yeah. Um, we'll have a number of videos to shoot, you know, because we can't obviously just have one because yeah. music kind of does disappear into the voice, just like, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, if we've, if had the budget for it, I could I'd have a million ideas, you know. I know. Um, well, we'll see how we get on with that. You know, yeah. depends how generous our... Um, cameraman wants to be with his time. <laughs> <laughs> and what about distribution, Pete? Um, you are still involved in grind scene, I presume, yeah? Yeah, we're still doing grind scene. Um, yeah, there's a chance we might distri we'll distribute through that. Um, we're contemplating trying to find someone to put the album out. Um, but we'll see how that goes, because again, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. 
there's been a lot of interest um, in Northern Ireland bands from Wormhole Debt Records. I don't know, are you aware of them? What's the name again, sorry? Wormhole Debt Records. The name rings a bell, but I don't know much about them. Yeah, um, they've snapped up uh, Haint and Farn Wolf from Northern right. Ireland. So, right. I mean, they, they seem to have a lot of active interest in UK and Irish bands at the moment. Mm-hmm. So there could be an avenue you could explore. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, check know. them out. Um, I've no problem at all putting it out through, through Grime Sing, you know, and it's, it's nice to be in control. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just at the minute with the likes of, with the label, it can be with my own circumstances changing and what have you over the past year or two that it's just trying to run a label, it's expensive, you know? Mm. Um, so trying to invest in a band and invest in a label at the same time and trying yeah. to start a business as well, you know, or grow a business, sorry. Um, I think that's the only thing where it's just whether... Like how long have you grown seen now? Just like... Um, it's probably about, I think I started when I was... 28, 29, something like that. So it's probably about 10, between 10 and 12 years now. Yeah. Out of the acts that you had initially, how many of them still survived and are still with you? Uh, well, again, I really, whenever I'm putting bands out, it's really just, you know, on that album that they're doing kind of thing. And then if they yeah. want to come back, you know. Um, There's I've one or two, though, that that um, that you had two, a few releases with, isn't there? I think I put out um, two Basement Torture Killings albums, um, three Fetal Juice releases. Fetal Juice, that's them. Yeah, I knew it was Um, one of... And two Man Must Die releases as well. Then the the, um, Crawling stuff as well. Yeah, did I come across Fetal Juice? Were they playing lately or were they playing Bloodstock Um, or something? They were playing the main stage in Bloodstock and they just finished a UK tour with them and Basement Torture Killings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I came across um, them. Definitely. If people haven't heard, there's definitely check them out. And I'm, I'm wondering as whether they're going to be playing Damnation Festival in Leeds. Would that be possible? I'm not 100% yeah. sure. Yeah. Now, as I said, they've, they've, I've come across them two or three times and like, oh, I always think of you straight away when I see him, you know? Oh, they're brilliant, like, you know, they, they, they really are. <laughs> so, anything else, man, you want to add? Uh, have you a rough idea when you're going to release this gem to the public? All being well, it'll be the first half of next year. Um, okay. It's really tour dependent. You know, we would much rather um, get a tour sorted out knowing that once we release it, we can immediately start pushing it um, right. because there is that fear of <laughs> disappearing into the void, you know, without some kind of tour support. Of course, yeah. You know, um, yeah, so it might get to the point because, I mean, we recorded it like it's, it's a year and a half, nearly a year and a half ago now, you know, so inevitably whether we have a tour or not, we'll get to the point where it's just like, oh, fuck it, let's release it, you know, but we're just going to spend the next couple of months, probably the rest of this year, and maybe the very start of next year, just trying to find, um, get a tour sorted out, and then once we have the, that locked in place, we'll just launch it in time with that. That's yeah. the plan. Um, you have a confirmed tour uh, with Necronautical and Lost Brethren and Burial, is that... Yes, yeah, that's in uh, the end of November. So, yeah, Necronauting and Lost Brethren. So that'll be good. You know, that's Nottingham and Manchester, you know, um, which is fantastic. And then we're out the weekend following that in Birmingham and uh, Dayton, Bristol as well. Wow. So that's November. 
Yeah, so be busy enough. Mm. Man, you need it. You need it. You need this thing to keep you going, you know? No, absolutely. It's just nice to get um, playing again after so long, you know? So there, there could possibly be a Northern Ireland day thrown in, maybe this side of, of uh, 2021? Yeah, we're kind of trying to plan something actually very, very shortly, you know? Um, Excellent. Yeah, so go we'll see if that plans it. Yeah, you can keep me posted, man. Yes, <laughs> Pete, thanks a million for coming on the show, man. It's great seeing you again, dude. Yes, likewise, and thanks very much for the invitation. You know, um, always a pleasure, Richie, you know. Yeah, excellent stuff, and send the love to Daft, John, and Ross as well, man. I certainly will. Yeah, cool. So you've been listening to Pete of Stranglewire. Keep an eye on their social media pages, and if you're a UK fan, check them out in November with Necronautica, Lost Brethren, and Burial. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so this is Rich from the Metal Cell Podcast. Uh, hit subscribe if you haven't on YouTube and crucially support your local medicine.